And the third area is the way we deliver a message. So once we have a great message, which is the most important thing, but even in business, we need to know how we can, how to deliver the message in a way that's comfortable and convincing. Because say that you have a great message, but if the way we deliver the message is not very effective, it's a bit like having a Ferrari without knowing how to drive. Right? It doesn't make sense. If we have that great car, which is your great message, you also need to make sure how to drive it, how to deliver it in the most effective way. Hey there, and welcome to yet another episode of the World of Presentations podcast brought to you by us at Presentation Agency 356 Labs. My name is Boris, I'm the founder of the company and your host for today's episode. And today we have uh, yet another colleague from our industry who is joining me. And I would speculate that he has something related to Italy because of his name, but we'll see uh, about that after a second. So who who do I have with me today? Well, uh, he's a presentation coach and the founder of Ideas on Stage UK. I need to read this. And they, uh, and they, for the last 18 years, have been working with customers, small ones like Microsoft, Lacoste, uh, the World Bank, and many, many more. Uh, lastly, and listen to this one, I'll read this one again. Our guest is on a mission to change the way people think about presenting, and his 10-year vision is to help a thousand purpose-driven entrepreneurs share their message, make an in- impact, and be memorable, right? Let's welcome Andrea Pacini to the podcast. Andrea, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Boris. Great to be here. Brilliant. Now about your name. There is something in Italian about your name. Tell us a little bit more. What's the story behind it? Yeah, the story is very simple. I am Italian. I do live in London. I've been living in the UK for, for about 10 years now. But I'm Italian and and I came to the UK. The idea initially was to stay for six months and it's about 10 years now. So I must have liked something here in the UK. <laughs> That's interesting. What I have been one of those people that are not that big of a fan of the UK. Like what it's obviously that especially London is not my place. What is that makes you feel so, so well, so good in the UK? Like what's in there? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's the, there's something for me. And I think Boris, that this is very personal because I know people who love London and I, I am one of those who love London and the UK in general. And then I know other people, I've, I've got friends here who hate it. So it's, it's very personal. There is something about the English way of doing things, mainly from, well, I wouldn't say just from a professional perspective, but also personally, what you do, even when you hang out with friends, when you do it, the, the, the way of living, there's something about it that, that attracts me. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm also one of those people uh, that, for some reason, is not a huge fan of the UK. Uh, I was in London at least two or three, two or three times. No, two, I think the, yeah, I think two times now. And for some reason it's too busy for me. You know, like I'm one of those people that's in the group that for some reason doesn't like the UK that much. However, I like Rome uh, quite some, I would say it's my favorite city. However, uh, back to the interview now, uh, every single time we start the podcast with a very uh, simple question, I would say, uh, and it's all about how did you end up in the industry? Now, everyone in our industry ended up in this presentation space by some 
very like by chance most of the times what is the story of how did you end up in the presentation world i would say by chance as well because if i think about it the reason why i ended up doing what i'm doing is because many years ago when i was at university in italy i came across a book that changed my life and i'm sure you know the book boris it's presentation zen by gar reynolds and that book opened my eyes to what it really means to create and deliver powerful presentations and he also made me understand that most business presentations suck and so i start thanks to that book i decided to start my journey to trying and become the best presenter i could be and then at some at some point i said i could actually help others now improve their presentation skills and that's what i did and the the very first thing for me boris was to start a blog echo presentations and i remember i was super passionate about it. every week i would write a new article and i thought it was great but i think in a couple of years maybe two people read my articles in total and one was my wife so it wasn't really making an impact uh, yeah <laughs> but to, to cut it short i didn't give up and then eventually over the years that blog became a company which is now ideas on stage uk and as you said in the last 11 years we've been working with thousands of clients from small business owners and professionals to companies like microsoft lacoste the world bank we've been coaching more than 500 tedx speakers so far and that allowed me to combine my passion for good presentations with another passion i have which is you mentioned it earlier in the introduction doing good through business i i believe boris that business can and should be a force for good in the world and that's why today i often work with purpose-driven entrepreneurs and their teams who want to grow their business and increase their influence through representing and that's it all right interesting now let's jump to the next one here you have been you and your organization have been working with so many businesses so many so many other companies so many uh, individuals out there you are involved also with a lot of just business presentations tell me because our audience are mostly business professionals from the hr marketing it fields etc you can like just imagine any business role we have it here as listeners of course whoever watches, watches this on YouTube, I don't know who those people would be because they can be anyone. Um, but the listeners of the podcast are definitely business people. Tell us a little bit more about what are the areas, what are the places, what are the things that a business professional can improve on when we talk about their presentations? Yeah, yeah. There are three key areas that people can improve on, in my view. One area is our ability to develop a compelling message, a captivating message. You see, Boris, you said, for example, we, you started with presentations and design. And, and what I see is that often when we think about presentation skills, often we immediately start thinking about PowerPoint and, and slides, which can, if used in a certain way, can be very important. But first, the most important thing is we need to have a story. We need to have a compelling, a captivating message. And I often see instead 
whether we are aware of it or not, a confusing message when people communicate in business. And the reason why that's the case is because often we are so close to a subject and we know so much about it that we think that what we are communicating and the way we are communicating it, we think that it's simple and clear and engaging. Whereas often the experience from the audience's perspective is the opposite. It's confusing. It's a confusing message. So that's one big area. And I would say the biggest area, the most important area to look at. Then the other area is, let's say, presentation design in general, because I, and I'm sure you see this with your clients as well. I often see the typical death by PowerPoint where you've got lots of text and bullet points and, and you know this better than me. P people can't read and listen at the same time. So we need to be able to, once we have a great message, we need to be able to amplify a message using effective visual aids. So that's another area to consider. And the third area is the way we deliver a message. So once we have a great message, which is the most important thing, but even in business, we need to know how we can, how to deliver the message in a way that's comfortable and convincing. Because say that you have a great message, but if the way we deliver the message is not very effective, it's a bit like having a Ferrari without knowing how to drive. Right? It doesn't make sense. If we have that great car, which is your great message, you also need to make sure how to drive it, how to deliver it in the most effective way. So three big areas to consider, the message, the visuals, if we want to use slides, for example, and then the delivery aspect. <laughs> An interesting comparison here with the Ferrari. Here is a part of your Italian roots uh, kicking in, obviously. Um, probably I have to say that I'm not a Ferrari fan, but a Porsche fan, but yeah, uh, let's move on. No, 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 Boris. Just, just one, just one thing though. If if you want to, if you want to use another example or another analogy or whatever, it has to be in the same category. So Ferrari and Porsche are not in the same category. So you need. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that we have to get into this conversation, but still, <clears throat> wait, my voice is dying. So let's go back uh, to the previous and more important topic for our listening uh, for our listeners: uh, the story, the design, <clears throat> and the delivery. Let's start with the story component and let's try to get top one, uh, one of the biggest things that people can do in each one of those components and each one of those parts, starting with the story. What is that one thing that you see uh, many business people um, can improve on? Like from the story perspective, what would be that one thing? Yeah. So we could spend hours talking about this, but if, if there is one thing one piece of advice is, and it's connected to a, a mistake that I see so often. And the mistake is that when we prepare, a when we give a presentation, we think that it's our presentation, but it's not. When we give a presentation, it's always their presentation. It's the audience's presentation. And for example, like if I if I want to give you a, a present, Boris, it's your present, not mine. And so I need to make sure that I know you so that I can buy something that you like. A presentation is very similar. When you give people a presentation, it's their presentation, not yours. And so we need to make sure that we know the audience as much as possible 
definitely before we open a PowerPoint or any other presentation tool, by the way, it doesn't make any difference. But also before we start thinking about our messages, our objectives, what we want to communicate, that depends on the audience. So the very first thing we need to do in preparation for a presentation is to start with the audience. We need to take some time and ask, you, and ask ourselves some questions about the audience. We call it, Boris, the ABC of preparation. Audience, burning needs, and context. So we need to take some time and ask ourselves some questions about the audience. Who are they? Their burning needs. What do they really need? What do they expect from that presentation? And also the context. For example, you mentioned it. Is it, is it virtual? Is it face-to-face? -face? How many people do you have in front of you? All these kind of contextual things. And if we do that, then we make it easier for ourselves to then develop content, a message which is relevant to the audience and their needs. Then, as I said, we could talk for, for hours, but this is the most important thing. We need to start not on PowerPoint, but with the audience. I definitely like those ABC of preparation. Definitely, hopefully people are listening to this one and thinking about it. And if someone is having a presentation very, very soon, hopefully, hopefully you all spend at least a few minutes thinking about those ABC of preparation that Andrea just mentioned. Okay, Andrea, let's move on to the design component. You mentioned at the beginning story design delivery. We went through the story now. What about the design, uh, the slides? Many people are using slides. What is that one thing that you can advise them to uh, take a look at and be more mindful of? Yeah, and I would say that we need to start keeping our slides, our visuals, as simple as possible. So simplicity is the key. Now, what I see that often, too often, again, especially in business, we, we are stuck with the presentation tool. So we follow what the presentation tool tells us, rather than it should be the, the other way around. We, we, we need to be the ones telling the tool what to do, not the other way around. And so when we have the tool telling us what to do, then we start with a boring title at the top and then some bullet points, a list of text and sentences, and then maybe a random click part and then the slide number and the logo in the corner. And then we end up with a typical death by PowerPoint. Now, the problem with that is that people can't read and listen at the same time. And the reason is not, this is not my opinion, the reason comes from science. If we look at how our brain works, the written text is processed in exactly the same part of the brain that processes the spoken text. So what people need to understand is that every time they show a slide which, which is full of details, full of text, full of information, the audience will need to make a decision. Do I read the text or do I listen to Boris or to, to Andrea? Not possible to do both things at the same time. So the best thing to do is to start using slides as something that amplify a message, not as something that replicates it. So we need to keep them as simple as possible. It could be just a big number just a, a couple of words or a big image and a few words that, that's connected to the message you want to get across. And if we do that, then we would definitely live in a very different world in business, Boris. 
yeah, completely, completely agree with you. Hopefully, again, uh, we will definitely. I think there is an improvement, to be honest, in that area. Like more and more people are starting to treat their slides not as documents, but there is still a lot, a lot to go. Uh, talking about the context in the previous part, when you mentioned the ABC of preparation, and now talking about design, do you see any differences? Do you advise any differently? when your clients and the people that you are working with are building a presentation that has to be delivered virtually, like in terms of the slides, is there anything different that you advise them to do compared to when you were um, helping them building a presentation and building the design for their slides for an in-person uh, way of presenting? Hmm. Uh, I don't think that there are major differences. Just consider though, Boris, that in our company, I'm not the designer. We have two graphic designers, so I'm not the, the expert when it comes to... I have a very good understanding of what works and what doesn't work from a presentation design perspective, but I'm not the designer in the company. But I think that the, the there aren't many differences from a design perspective when it comes to online presenting versus face-to-face -face presenting. One thing, though, that, that I'm thinking about now is, for example, animations and transitions. Now, although we need to be always very careful with animations and transitions, again, they can be useful if used to, to help us communicate a message in a better way, in a more effective way. And often that's not the case. But online, I would try and reduce, if not remove at all, the, the number of animations and transitions because sometimes, just for simple reasons, internet connection, sometimes we think that something is happening and that's the view that we have on our screen but because of wi-fi and internet the experience for the audience may be different so what i would say is that online we should we should keep our slides overall including the animations and the transitions and the videos uh, even even simpler as simple as possible yeah, completely, completely agree with everything that you're mentioning here. Uh, obviously, there are some specifics to the game, and obviously there are um, things that people need to consider, especially when they're uh, when they're online. I would just add here that maybe if, because you mentioned animations and transitions, one of the things that people can try and experiment with is to, especially when they, they decide to have animations and transitions, to go down on the re resolution of their screens meaning that most of the tools, Zoom, Microsoft Teams, etc., they're pushing uh, full HD at maximum. Uh, most of the times it's just HD, HD um, resolution, which is uh, 1280 by 720, which means that if you have transitions animations, you can go down on the resolution of your monitor to that one, to the HD resolution, even though it will look bad for you, you will then start push and upload less pixels to the web compared to if you are in full resolution of your screen. But that's a very advanced tip. However, it's interesting that you are mentioning all of those things because uh, you mentioned that you are not the designer of uh, the presentations in your team. I'm also not the designer. However, it's so interesting to see that when you see professional designers, they still need to be taught some things around presentations because for some reason I am currently seeing, and I'll be curious to hear your opinion here, is that when you have so like a designer with a great portfolio, like overall great experience, etc. For some reason, when you put them in the context of presentations, they forget 
even the fundamentals of great design. And it's so strange to see now, it's six years for us now uh, since the 356 apps was uh, started. And it still amazes me, amazes me that professional designers put in the context of presentation design sometimes forget like, hey, there needs to be white space here. Hey, consistency is important. Hey, alignment, all of those things, for some reason, they forget them. And I still cannot explain to myself why that's the case. What are you seeing there? You are, uh, Boris, you are, you are so right. And I see the same thing. And I think that one of the reasons why that's the case, and what we are talking about here is that even somebody who knows the fundamental principles of design, when it comes to then applying those principles to the way we design a presentation, sometimes something is missing. And you're right. And it might be because even those people tend to confuse slides and documents. A lot of people do that, again, especially in business, but even designers, we confuse slides and documents. So often what we do is we create a, a document, we call it a presentation, but it's not a presentation, it's a document, and we call it a presentation just because we use a presentation tool, for example, like PowerPoint to create that document. And so the rules that you need to consider for you to be able to design a good document are different, can be different from the rules, the principles you need to consider for you to be able to design an effective slide presentation when you are there as a presenting. It could be online or face-to-face. -face. As a presenter, you are there. And so you need something with you different from a document. For example, uh, and then I'll give it back to you, Boris. You you will never use your toothbrush to comb your hair. And perhaps this is a bad example if you look at me, like for those watching us on video, but you will never use your toothbrush to comb your hair just because it has bristles like your hairbrush. A toothbrush and a hairbrush are two different things and we use them for two different activities. Now, slides and documents are two different things and we should use them for two different activities. And that's another big mistake that, mistake that I see so often. Indeed, indeed, absolutely agree here. Uh, by the way, talking, just mentioning so many times the online context and everything else, I just remembered the case where a friend of mine was presenting on a webinar. And he, by the way, is a professional designer and a very good one for that matter. And he was using Zoom uh, to deliver his message and overall to present. However, his brand and the brand that he runs and everything that they have done there um, is very much, especially the typography is very thin and very light, um, which doesn't work or at least didn't work that well in Zoom back then because that's an advice to everyone uh, here on the podcast that's listening or watching, obviously, on YouTube. If you're presenting online, be extremely mindful with fonts that are the so-called thin or light or a so-called hairline because in his case those fonts especially when the letters are small are almost like they're very could be very very hard to read because zoom teams all those tools are actually compressing the signal even further and thus the letters themselves almost disappeared which is a huge which was a huge huge problem and the biggest issue there is that he didn't even know Right. So that's one more specific that I just wanted to mention here as part of the online uh, online presentations. 
No, no, but you're right. But you made me think of another another thing to consider, which is connected to your to your question. Now, online, not only when it comes to the connection between online presentations and presentation design. Now, not only do we need to consider the fact that it is online, but online often means that perhaps now, for example, in this example, you said that you were watching a webinar. Now, some people today watch a webinar on their smartphone. So when it's online, we should also consider that let's not take it for granted that it will be a laptop or a big screen. It could be as small as a smartphone. So what you're saying now, Boris, becomes even more important online. And not only the, the type of font that has to be big enough, but the text itself, if you've got one or two words or a few words, even bigger than you would normally do in a face-to-face -face context. Okay, enough about the story, enough about the design component. Now, now let's talk about the delivery component. Let's go with that one thing that you want to mention, having in mind that the context is, again, business presentations. What is that one thing that you would advise our listeners or the people that are watching to do or to spend a little bit more time on? The one thing there is preparation. Now, often... When we look at great speakers, we, we often look at them and we say, wow, it, it, it's so simple for them, or it comes so natural to them. But that's not the case. They, they work hard, so they make it look simple. They make it look natural, but it's not. And one of the most important things they do is they rehearse. Great speakers rehearse. They prepare. They... Rehearse means, of course, that they repeat out loud their presentations several times from the beginning to the end as if they have a real audience in front of them. And, and that's what great speakers do. So they work hard at making it look simple and comfortable and natural. So again, to use a, we were talking about Ferrari and Porsche before. So to using a motor, uh, motor racing analogy. Now it's in, in motor racing, it's not because you have the fastest car that you're going to win the race. No, the performance of the driver is still important. And in public speaking, presenting, it's the same thing. Maybe you have a fantastic message. Maybe you have reinforced your message with super beautiful and effective slides. That's not enough. It's not because you have that. Then, then you, you, if you have that, you may be tempted to say that you are now ready to get up in front of your audience and deliver your message. Maybe you are, maybe not. The performance of the driver, which is you, the presenter, is still very important, which means that you need to prepare, you need to rehearse. And only if you do that, you get to a point where you have internalized your content. If you want, no, no, sorry, if you want to improve your delivery skills, you need to internalize your content, you need to own your content, which doesn't mean that you need to memorize it. I'm not asking anybody to memorize the content unless it works for them, but I am asking everybody to internalize their content because if they know their stuff, then they can start thinking about, okay, what do I do with my eyes? What do, do, what do I do with my hands? What do I do with my body? But if you need to think about what to say because you haven't rehearsed, then it would be very hard, if not impossible, to improve the way you deliver your message. 
Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree with the importance of rehearsals. It still just baffles me the fact that a lot of business people who are even listening to this one still underestimate the importance of rehearsals and still think and say to themselves that, nah, you know, I know those things. I have been doing this for 10 years. How hard could it be? You know, yet when you try to compare, for example, let's say uh, soccer, because you're from U- UK or football, I would say, because you're, we're both in Europe. Uh, when you see those players or when you look at, let's say, Ronaldo and when you see how he plays, he doesn't go to the pitch and just plays like that, plays on a world-class level just out of out of nowhere. He trains and he prepares. His training is his preparation and he trains so much so that we, at the end, uh, see this end result. Same with Kobe Bryant, my favorite uh, basketball player. I was playing basketball a few years ago. Like, the fact, like, if you try to do some of his moves, they seem so easy. They see, they are, they look so easy when you look them on the screen. However, I have personally tried to replicate those moves on the field afterwards and on the court afterwards. And they're so, so hard. (laughs) Actually, they're very, very hard. Yet they seem easy because of his preparation. And Boris, that's, that's a great, it's a great analogy. It's a great example. And that's because any, if we think about sporting performance or also musical performance, like musicians, any, any skill that requires knowledge and technique, so it's not just knowing what to do, you need knowledge to play football or to play an instrument, but you also need technique. And every time you, you need to learn something that requires knowledge and technique, like sport, like a sport, like a musical instrument, then what really makes a difference is the, the practice. Knowledge is not enough. And just one more thing, then Manchester United, your favorite team, and Ronaldo came from my favorite team. So I was very upset this summer because my team is Juventus. And so I was sad to see him go. Well, Ronaldo gave you quite some. So you have to be happy. Come on. Uh, now, let's switch back to, at the beginning, you mentioned the context, the in-person, the virtual, and many other things. But still, that in-person versus virtual and more and more uh, probably hybrid uh, is coming and becoming a reality. Uh, however, let's let's go there for a second and let's just talk a little bit more about the differences between the in-person world and a presentation delivered in a boardroom or at a conference and one delivered online, uh, let's say over Zoom or Microsoft Teams or Google Meet. What are your thoughts there? Yeah. There are three key things there to consider. I see three key differences between face-to-face and online presentations. One, and it may sound obvious, but it's not, the technology. Now, in a face-to-face presentation, I don't think that technology play or should play a big role. Because, for example... Say that you are face-to-face, you are delivering a presentation and you ha- and the projector fails and you want it to show some slides. As long as you are prepared, as long as you are prepared, you should be able to go ahead and deliver a great presentation anyway. Now, obviously, online, it's not going to work. Uh, and so the setup, the technological aspect is, is important online, which means that we need to... Think about things like a, a webcam and a microphone, lighting, background, all these kind of things. So that's one, one thing to consider. 
Another difference is the, the level of interaction that you want to have with the audience. Now, I think, Boris, that interacting with the audience is always important, but online, it's even more important. Now, if we look at how our brain works, physiologically, the audience's attention goes down after about 10 minutes. So you are giving a presentation face-to-face, and even if you are great, even if your message is fantastic, but the audience's attention will go down after about 10 minutes. So as presenters, we know that after like each 10 minutes, more or less, we need to do something. We need to interact with the audience. It's as if every 10 minutes, we need to buy the audience's attention back. Now, online, it's even harder to keep the attention high. So the 10-minute rule becomes the three-minute rule, which means that online, every three, five minutes, we need to do something, which could be as simple as asking a question, inviting the audience to write something in the chart. The possibilities are endless, but every time we ask the audience to do something, it means that they are there listening to us. They're not checking what the dog is doing or they're not on Facebook. So that's interaction is another difference. And the last difference, and you mentioned it at the very beginning, Boris, is from a delivery perspective. Now, the same principles apply. So for example, online, you still want to have good eye contact, or you still want to have an appropriate body language or hand gestures. But the way you apply these principles is different. So for example, eye contact, Online, we need to look at the camera. That's where the audience is. You don't, we don't have to look at the screen or our slides. The way you make good eye contact in a face-to-face environment is different from the way you make good eye contact online. So you see the principles are the same, but the way you apply certain delivery principles is a bit different online. Brilliant. Uh, perfect and very, very nice advice here again. Andrea, uh, we are already 35 and more minutes into this interview and into this episode. Before we wrap this up, we always ask uh, our guests two more questions, let's say it this way. The first one is, who is that one name? Who is that one person that you think we should get on our podcast? Someone uh, from our industry, from the presentation space, or someone that just impressed you with their communications or presentation skills? Who is that one person? We need one name here, all right? So just... One name. Yeah. Okay. So, one one name. I just and I don't know if you if you will be able to to get that person on the podcast. But yeah, it's it's somebody that I've discovered some time ago. I think he's a fantastic presenter, fantastic business presenter, and his name is Panos Panai. Oh, you know, okay. Yeah, exactly. Panos Panay from Microsoft. And because often in business, great presentations, we start thinking about Apple and Steve Jobs. And I think that's true. But this guy from Microsoft has a very engaging way of delivering business presentations, product demos, product launches. And if you can get him, I think that would be a great episode. I will definitely watch it. All right. So uh, we'll, we'll try to get Panos uh, obviously here. I'll at least try to do it for second or third time. We have some connections in Microsoft because of the conference present to succeed. Uh, I actually tried to get him on the podcast last year. 
though when I was in discussion with some people at Microsoft, but yeah, uh, they just told me that he's quite busy and the conversation was more or less over, but uh, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't push and try again, right? Now, one last here, which is a two-part question uh, to wrap this episode up. What is the best place for people to connect? And what is the best place for them to see and learn more about what you guys are doing? Yeah, to connect and chat, the main social media channel I use is LinkedIn. So they can find me there with my name. And in terms of what we are doing, then... A couple of things, in addition to our website, which is ideasonstage.com, but in addition to that, we have, and it's up to you, Boris, but if it helps, I can send you a couple of links if you want to include them in the show notes. Okay, fantastic. So one is we have an online quiz. We call it the Impactful Presenter Scorecard, and it's free. People can use that tool to assess their presentation skills in less than five, five minutes. So that's one thing for, for people to, to consider as a starting point. Uh, exactly, ideasonstage.com slash score, like when you score a, a goal. And another thing is that we have, uh, at the moment I'm running an, a series of free web classes on all things presentation skills. And if people want to attend, these are like one hour or even less than that, packed full of tips and techniques and principles on all things presentation skills. And that's another thing. And one more thing that I will give you, maybe we've done it already for your listeners, is the, the for those who are watching all, uh, on video, we have this book here, the orange one, Business Presentation Revolution, that was written by a colleague of mine. Phil Wickner and Boris, of course, I'm biased, but I do believe that it is a fantastic book. So I would be happy for your audience to get access to it for free. The PDF version, the link will be in the show notes, I guess. And um, just check it out. Okay, brilliant. You heard it. Uh, you heard it, everyone. We'll make sure that all of those links in regards to the book, in regards to the uh, scorecard, in regards to the, master, the masterclasses, which you can join, which are completely free, will be in the show notes, be that on Spotify or SoundCloud, be that, of course, in the description uh, on YouTube, depending on where you're watching. Uh, Andrea, thanks again for joining us. This was a super, super nice episode full of practical ideas and, um, and tips and tricks, I would say. Hopefully many people are listening to this one and taking and absorbing, if you wish, all of those ideas and are going to try and um, make them happen and implement them in their presentations. Again, everyone listening to this episode, no matter where, all of the links uh, to connect and to learn more uh, from Andrea and his company will be in the show notes or in the description below. And in the meantime, check out also our website, 356labs.com and not 365labs.com. And of course, if you still don't know about our conference, Present to Succeed, it's coming up in April 2022, and it will be a big one. Early bird tickets are still available, so go ahead and check it out, right? So thank you for listening. Subscribe uh, to the podcast if you still haven't, or to the YouTube channel if you're looking to, uh, if you're looking on YouTube. Uh, And of course, you know how it goes. Every share, like, comment matters and we appreciate it. Thanks again for listening and see you in the next one.